Yeah. Draft day, Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. Two drafts, one episode, and so will be the third edition here at the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Andrew Callahan alongside site editor Sean Fitz. Taking you into May now as we're fully into the offseason. We also have a special guest, uh, Monty, walking around. Sean's very good dog. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to recap the NFL draft that was over the weekend, get into the draft that Sean and I held uh, just between us, the fantasy Penn State football draft, which you can now find on lines247.com, uh, among other things today. A lot of back and forth there about who came out with the best roster, but we're going to save the best for last and get into the real draft first. Chris Godwin, only pick this year. Um, surprising, unsurprising? Not surprising that, obviously, he was the first guy to go, but yeah, he's the only guy this year. Thought Garrett Sickles might sneak into the late sixth, uh, maybe into the seventh, but uh, just wasn't how it happened. Uh, you know, I think people are going to be questioning his decision. It's it's not the first guy to maybe come out too early, uh, but we knew those questions were there heading into the draft. Um, but yeah, happy for Godwin. I think he found himself a good situation in Tampa. Uh, that's an offense that's coming along very very quickly, and it'll be really interesting to see how they they turn out next year. And I think what you got to like best about the situation for him is that he obviously won't have to produce from the get go. I mean, he was billed as like polished, ready-made wideout. But when you look at their weapons, obviously they've got a plethora of them, especially when they add O.J. Howard in the first round. But a guy like Mike Evans, who's a big possession receiver, you know, bona fide number one. Deshaun Jackson comes into the fold. He's a, a burner. And now Chris Godwin can find his way. And I think an underrated part because, you know, were you watching NFL Network or ESPN during part of the draft? Of course NFL Network, but okay. that's I, I realized halfway through that's because Berman's not an, on ESPN anymore. So, right, right. you know, it's kind of an even split now. And I, and I missed um, – what ESPN had, because I, I was watching NFL Network too, and what they made mention of was how Godwin sometimes has you know trouble separating without a double move. But if you look at the structure of the offense that he was just playing in, he was always lined up as the X and hardly ever in any sort of route combination. So you can imagine that not only does he not have to produce right away, but he has the benefit of being you know made open uh, structurally through play design, whereas before he was really relied upon to just do that on his own. Yeah, and I think he's going to probably find his way into a lot of Penn State fans' fantasy drafts. I think he's got, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's got an opportunity to do a lot. Uh, you know, he's, he's a red zone warrior. Uh, he's a guy that can maybe take some of the pressure off with, with Deshaun Jackson being the deep guy. I mean, he, he can really get some things done at the intermediate level. Uh, if they get a running game together, to, to be honest, Tampa doesn't have a bad nucleus to work with, with, with Jameis Winston there and, and those receivers that you mentioned. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a very good situation for him. I think, uh, you know, is it going to be one of those ones where I know we, we, we've said this before, but are Eagles fans going to be kicking themselves that they didn't get Chris Godwin yeah, like, yeah. They, like they are Sean Lee. Um, I don't know if that's a sore situation <laughs> for anybody, but no, it's uh, I, I think it's a good spot for him. And and, you know, it's always good to be in Tampa. It's a great spot. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting, too, because, of course, Chris Godwin is the first draft pick that played, you know, entirely under the James Franklin tenure. So this is a benefit for Penn State. Of course, if he succeeds, they can point only not only to he's, you know, an Indy Lion in the NFL having a great career, but he did it with this staff. If you're a wideout and they've got a number of big prospects, you know, soon to come in already on board to say, you know, we're not wide receiver you, but you can have a great career here and then go on to the pros. Uh, Garrett Sickles does not fit that bill in terms of he was bridged, you know, from the Bill O'Brien era to James Franklin. He went undrafted. Um, you mentioned that wasn't such a huge surprise that we saw about him, but a lot of places I had looked, he was kind of in that sixth, seventh range. And to me, what made him go undrafted was the fact that, you know, it's appears that his ceiling perhaps isn't as high as some of the athletes that you hear. It's like a boomer bust pick that you might as well gamble on in those late rounds. Yeah, I mean, anymore, that size is a bit of a tweener. Um, you know, I think 4-3 D-end all the way. Um, 
you know, could he play the three, four outside guy? I, I don't know. We haven't seen it. So I, I really couldn't yeah. tell you, but you know, there's opportunity there in Indy. Um, they've had some holes in that defense in the last couple of years. So, you know, I think it, it, well, it's a spot where a few decades almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Speaking as a Patriots fan that I am full disclosure. That's true. But, uh, no, I think he's, he's got an opportunity there and yeah, it's, I think he's better off finding his own uh, opportunity with uh, being undrafted as opposed mm-hmm. to getting going in the later stages of the draft. Right, and that's something we've talked about before. Is it's not really lip service. You know, The dream isn't to say, like, oh, yeah, I went undrafted and made it into the league. It's I got drafted, went pick X you know, to whatever team. But honestly, when you get to choose your own situation, you're able to boost your chances of making whatever team it is. Now, it's not saying you get to pick from 32, but if you get to pick from 6, where there's, you know, differences in depth chart or, you know, the coaches might be changing after a year or so of the scheme, whatever it is, that's an ideal situation. And I think the same could be said for another couple of guys who we saw go undrafted, signed Brandon Bell, Malik Golden, and Evan Schwann. Yeah, and I know you want to talk about Bell. He's your boy. But Malik Golden's a guy that has a, a real opportunity with a roster that's just for sure. sort of in flames right now in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, so I think he's got an opportunity as a guy that can contribute on special teams. He's a better athlete than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he can eventually find a home in San Francisco. I think it's a, I think it's a good spot for him. And I think at that safety spot, too, I mean, how many defensive backs did we see go in the first two rounds? I think it was a record. So for him to, you know, it sounds like they're a lot drafted, they're a lot ahead of you, but, you know, with a down roster, a new coaching staff that's going to have some time there, you stick in a practice squad, maybe bounce around a little bit, but his skill set, I think, fits what the league wants right now. Um, Evan Schwann might have a little bit harder time. Again, he's in that Sickles mold of, like, he's been asked to stand up or put his hand on the ground and rush the passer. That's the biggest benefit he could offer a team right now. Uh, goes to the Giants, and I think we'll have to see how that goes because, you know, that's a coaching staff that will be there. Uh, but there have always been an organization that, you know, puts an emphasis, you know, up front and how many pass rushers they can get in the front four. So, if he can't do that, you know, his prospects immediately diminished as it is. But if he contribute on special teams and hone that pass rush, which is already his greatest asset, I, I have to figure that gives him the best shot. Yeah, and Schwann's a guy that, that's sort of been trampled the last couple of years. I, he wasn't very productive up until this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, his production level this year wasn't anything off the charts, but I thought he played solid. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He'll, he'll test very well. He'll go out there. And, and I think when, when you make that transition to the NFL, if you've got length like he does, he's a big guy. Yes. If you have length like he does, you have a chance to, to maybe add some more of that pro weight uh, and, and maybe stick around the roster a little bit longer. And I know I caught myself last week, you know, listing the uh, strengths of Garrett Sickles' game and got to the point where it's like, okay, we're just listing all the white guy cliches, you know, high motor, all that good stuff. And you could say similar things about Schwann too, but that length that you mentioned is it, it, very different too. You know, that, that can make a difference. And it's not only we're having you here because your production as a senior, but those measurables that are so desirable. Yeah. And if you look at going back to recruiting rankings, I mean, it's, it's you're going to see the bigger guys ranked a little bit higher based on the pro potential. I mean, you've got length. It's one thing that James Franklin and his staff have really, really gone after is you've got 34 inch arms. I mean, you've got a shot as a DN, you know, if you, if you've got uh, a guy like Michael Mennett is uh, this is completely changing course, but a guy like Michael Mennett was listed by many uh, services as an offensive tackle. I mean, he's got 31, 32 inch arms, not particularly long. So I think he's a better fit on the interior. So just little things like that, when you're talking about projecting these guys for the next level, length is so important and it, and it goes at every level. I mean, on the up front on the line mm-hmm. uh, and then in the defensive backfield, especially has been a huge movement towards length. And that's not to say a five, eight corner can't succeed or five, nine corner can't yeah. succeed, but you know, more schools are going to take the chances on the six foot corner than the five, eight corner. 
See, last week you promoted the pod with a quote tweet saying that I nerded out with a very 30-second brief synopsis of the Sam position. I think I might be getting you back after that rundown. Very good rundown, albeit of length and its importance of various positions. Fair? Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. 31-inch 30, arms is, <laughs> very, means very little to, to very few people. So uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great way to... And in Brandon Bell's case, especially an arm that's hurt, because that hurt, you know, his ability to perform, you know, didn't go to the combine at Pro Day was really one shot. He goes undrafted. You know, that was pretty much the projection heading into the draft. Goes to the Bengals. I think it's a really good fit for them. Uh, may not be your prototypical Bengal, as we saw, you know, Joe Mixon go there and all that different, you know, character issues that that team has had over the years. But can play a couple different positions. Is going to bring everything you would want as a coach. And I think they'll come to like him as they probably have during the process for all that he brings. And, of course, the production, you know, even in limited time due to injuries, was just through the roof. Yeah, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that Brandon Bell is going to make his money on the football field. It's not going to come at pro day or at the combine or anything like that. The guy just makes plays. So if he's going to make this roster, it's probably going to be in the pre season it's probably going to be you know when those pads go on because not overwhelming physically not uh not going to test off the charts but go out there and find the football and that's what uh, there's there's a spot in the league for guys like that absolutely uh bell in new jersey native as is sickles new jersey a lot of action there for some future lines which i know you've kept you know us up to date on it as well as anyone over the last few days yeah justin shorter uh jersey native at the at the jersey opening regional this weekend i wasn't there myself it's my wife's birthday i'm not that brave but <laughs> steve wilfong was there alex gleitman luke stampini uh 24 7 crew was there did a phenomenal job covering the event uh but justin shorter i mean that that was his show i mean he's a he's a big guy 6'4 220 legit uh, just a, a next level athlete, won the fastest man at four or five. And we put the video on the site uh, to see him beside two little guys uh, and just blowing them out of the water in a 40 yard dash is not something you see all that often. Went out, uh, had a great day. It did drop a couple balls, but I think that was the, maybe the, the deciding factor and maybe not making him the top overall performer or whatnot. But man, right. Justin Shorter, is probably as good as any wide receiver Penn State has recruited since Franklin got here. And that's saying a lot considering some of the talent that they brought in. So, um, you know, he's going to earn a U.S. Army All-American Bowl. I don't know if I'm spoiling that for anybody right now. Uh, But you you can see him going there uh, and playing in San Antonio in January. Uh, earn, earn an opening invite uh, for, for Oregon. It's just an all-around guy that uh, really blew some people out of the water, and you're going to see his rankings go way up. I mean, I don't do the rankings, but been pitching him as a top uh, 75, top 100 guy for a while, and there's a reason behind that. I mean, he's one of the best best players in the nation, in my opinion. Right, and you mentioned perhaps the best wide receiver recruit of the Franklin era here at Penn State. You know, perhaps equally as impressive, this class right now primed to be the best by a considerable margin, and he's the third best prospect behind Ricky Slade, who just got open from the D.C. regional, and then Justin Fields, who is, you know, arguably the hottest prospect right now in the 2018 cycle. Yeah, and, and Justin Fields will end up at the opening. He'll, he has to yeah. go through the Elite 11 first as a quarterback, but uh, yeah, for, to, to get those three guys, uh, I don't think you can say enough about how this offense has turned heads. Talked about it last summer, maybe with a little bit of apprehension, but man, this offense is going to put people in the position to succeed and get to the next level, and really when you're recruiting these guys, that's what you're talking about. Going back to the opening, uh, Shorter, of course, was the MVP for the wide receivers. A couple other Penn State targets, as there always is in Jersey. I, I just think, think when you're talking about Jersey versus D.C., where I was at last weekend or a couple weekends ago for the Nike opening camp, Jersey just kind of blew it out of the water, especially with Penn State targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.J. Mustafer won the defensive line MVP. Uh, he's a big-time target, a defensive tackle. Former commit Micah Parsons, who, of course, is still on the board, won the linebacker uh, MVP. You know, it probably projects as a DN in the long term, but uh, yeah, and 
and Chim Young from Philly won the DB MVP, arguably Penn State's um, you know biggest defensive recruit. Maybe maybe you can argue that now with Parsons back on the board. So uh, right. I think there was a lot to like among the MVPs, and beyond that, uh, a couple of tight ends that are committed to Penn State already: uh, Zach Koontz and, and Pat Fryermuth. Um, both big bodies, different style tight ends. Koontz is about six eight, uh, six seven and a half, two twenty. Fryermuth is about two fifty eight right now yeah. on a six four six five frame. So two different styles of tight ends, which they can they can both use. Uh, just going down the list: Jahan Dotson, uh, Shane Simon, Ronnie Hickman, Shaquan Anderson, Butts. Uh, uh, you know, all targets that that Penn State has been in on that they've gotten on campus a couple of times so far. Uh, Jahan Dotson obviously trending to to Penn State coming out of the event based mm-hmm. on the buzz out there the crystal ball has, has fallen his way and I think on the defensive line is is where Penn State has some holes in this class and you saw guys like Tyler Friday Dorian Hardy who who's a you know a heavy heavy lean on the 24-7 sports crystal ball to Penn State and 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 a guy that I've been intrigued by for a long long time Jason Owe from from Blair Academy in North Jersey okay. went out and tested off the charts I mean he's 6'5 236 and you know he posted one of the highest spark ratings of, among defensive linemen worked out as a tight end at the camp but among defensive linemen in the country so uh, Penn State just offered him last week uh, I think they're in a, in a pretty good position right now and mm. I think things are sort of looking up you're you're not seeing as much on the uh, on the commitment wave right now but uh, in the long term I think Penn State's looking up right now in, in terms of recruiting so if you were convinced earlier when Sean said that New Jersey was loaded with Penn State prospects, you surely should be now because it, they are all over the place. A lot of ascending guys too, which to me is the best part about this. You know, you can hit on value through this process, but the way that get affirmed, you know, gets affirmed until they're here and produced as college players is the fact that other people start to take notice and they're testing as these guys were. So obviously, shorter stood out, got open. Um, one guy out of that list to either keep an eye on or you think, you know improved his his stock as they say the, the most from that weekend i think it's oa i mean it's mm-hmm. it, we we talked about those measures before he's a long kid he ran a four six six uh tested near the top uh in, in everything and i think that it, this is a guy that's gone from a mid three star he's he, after getting a look at him uh and that's what these a lot of these camps are for getting a look at him seeing the potential i think he's going to blow up uh on the rankings and i think he's going to pull in some some bigger offers going forward speaking of blowing up now to the most fun part of the podcast the fantasy Penn State football draft was held yesterday. Uh, Sean and I split up our own teams. The idea about this was simple. You know, you, you've had the NFL draft before that was the blue-white game uh, where they split up the roster into two teams. And the hope this year and the talk from James Franklin and, and other people and fans, of course, was that we'd have a more competitive game. Well, injuries, variety of different depth chart situations lent itself eventually to a 26 to nothing finish. So we decided to split up the team on our own. And it went like this. Sean had the first pick, I had the next two, and then we went back and forth in a serpentine draft order until we each had 37 guys on our team looking to fill out the two deep. Um, so what I'd like to do now, and you can find this all on the website as you should, it, you know, feel free to do this on your own. It's the off season. We have plenty of time for things like this. It's May. <laughs> yeah, can you can you tell? Um, but the thing that stuck out for me is, you know, you can check out the pick-by-pick rundown as well as our own teams, is that for me, you know, Figure you're, of course, going to take Saquon Barkley. Then it's a matter of, you know, what do I want to do? And I loaded up on offensive line. I think it's a good line that I have from left to right. You've got Brendan Mann, Steven Gonzalez, Mike Miranda, Michael Mennett, and Chaz Wright. And then defensively, a lot of pass rush with Gibbons, Simmons, uh, Ryan Buckholtz, you know, even some Manny Bowen uh, figuring in there as a good blitzer. And to me, that speaks to the kind of old adage of you build from the inside out. 
Yeah, I agree. And I actually, I'm going to take a step back. I think the best thing is that we could each get a two deep from this pretty much. Yeah, true. And, and you could not say that a year ago or two years ago, uh, the way that they've stockpiled, you know, guys at, at a number of positions. Uh, you now have, I guess, 10 or 11 offensive linemen that you can throw out in a two deep and feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Uh, no offense to the guys that came before, but I, I just think it's in another level right now. Well, it's a big difference. Franklin said that first first uh, practice availability of the spring. Yeah, no doubt. And you can you can go down at different positions. I mean, you got a couple of quarterbacks, and and, I don't, and, and, and when I'm drafting, I see the drop off between starter and number two as as how I would sort of rank them in in my draft order. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't jump on a quarterback right away. I took Saquon Barkley. He's the best player in the conference. There's no way I'm not taking him. I also pulled rank to get the number one pick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I think that that argument can be made at several positions where the the gap between the top and the bottom are not that big. And, uh, no. you know, you look at uh, guys that, that stayed on the board longer than, than we expect, and we're going to go through them here. Mm-hmm. But guy like Jason Cabinda, uh, Brandon Smith showed that he could play last year. I, I don't think that the drop-off is all that big. Cabinda, top five at the very worst, top seven player in this roster. He went number 14 overall in our draft. And I think that's exactly right. Because you look at these teams, and I'll jump on, you know, because you, you hit on something very important about this. It's not only just who are the best players. You could look back to our, you know, player power rankings from earlier in the spring. Again, it's the offseason. Um, but you know, my decision at number two and three was, you know, of course, Trace McSorley is the second best player in this team and Tommy Stevens is a very good backup, but if I don't take him and I let you have the opportunity at number four and five overall to grab the two best players in this team, you know, as much as I like to think, you know, I prefer nuanced thinking and breakdowns and understanding if you have the two best players in the team, it almost doesn't matter <laughs> the rest of the draft that we do because if we get even something close to even, then you've won right. because the two best players are going to shine, and I just couldn't do that. Um, my next pick at number three overall, I know surprised you. I believe it did. It was Marcus Allen. Yeah. And that spoke to just the, the drop-off in my mind at safety where you've got still an open spot next to him between Nick Scott, Aaron Monroe, and Troy Apke. So for me, I could solidify my secondary, a guy with a lot of experience, obviously talent, and then that also kind of left you in a hole figuring what you wanted to do next. Yeah, he was my number one player on the defensive board for the same reason. Uh, just uh, the gap between him and the rest of the safeties is, is big. And and honestly, if you see it, I didn't fill my safeties until very late very late in the draft because of that. So Well, until I grabbed a second one. Right, right, pretty much, yeah. I, and, <laughs> but, but I see a guy that's probably more valuable than maybe, maybe you can make an argument he's the most valuable guy in this roster. My number four, uh, the number four overall pick, Ryan Bates, uh, can play tackle, can play guard, can play center. And I think uh, when I was filling out my offensive line, I put him about six different places. Yeah, that's possible. But yeah, went with Bates and then Mike Jasicki, uh, who was a, a beast down the stretch last year. Another guy where the gap between the starting tight end mm-hmm. and the second tight end, John Holland, um, is pretty sizable. So I, I went with those two guys, to, and I know I went all offense, which probably isn't typically how I'd approach it. But in terms of value, I think those guys are, are probably as important as anybody in the roster right now. And my responses to those picks as you made them were things I cannot repeat on the podcast. So you know how I felt about that. Now, or do your listeners know how I felt about those picks because I thought they were very good and for the reasons that you just mentioned. So um, knowing that I would have to zag a little bit as you zigged, then I went Kevin Givens and Brendan Mann, figuring Mann at least offers me some versatility, as you mentioned. You know, he played left tackle very well last year, you know, projected to go back to right guard this year, can play left guard as well. Um, and then Givens is a guy up front that has been unblockable this spring, as told to us by Matt Limegrove, the offensive line coach. Yeah, Givens surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I was the number two guy behind uh, Kirk Hawthorne by the end of the year. 
Um, so it, it was a little bit surprising to see him go that high. An active defensive lineman is always is always great. But uh, yeah, I mean he's he's a talented player. He'll find his way to the field, no doubt. But uh, yeah, a little bit of surprise there. I went back to the offensive line with my next pick, Connor McGovern. Again, versatility. Played right guard last year. Going to play center this year. Has played tackle in his career. You've got guys like. Bates, like Mann, like uh, McGovern, I, I think you've got an opportunity to, to mix and match and find a great best five. And I think that when you're talking about the season that you guys actually care about, that's a huge thing going forward. And then I went my first defensive pick, Sharif Miller. Mm-hmm. I'm buying the hype. The you know he was he was very good this spring. He's a guy that's still physically developing, and he he looks great already. So uh, yeah. I think he's a guy that can get to the passer. Probably going to lead the team in sacks this year. I'd say. So after those guys went, and I had a similar reaction to your Bates and uh, <laughs> Mike Kosicki pick, I went Manny Bowen and, and, and Chaz Wright. The idea here was, you know, grab strong bookends. Again, two guys in Wright and Man who could both play guard. Manny Bowen, I think, is a guy who is somehow being undersold and could very well land on an all-Big Ten team, but uh, the season is all set and over with. Terrific blitzer, can play well in space, improved against the run, just a raw athlete that's developed into a top-notch linebacker. Uh, and then you took another linebacker who is also receiving a lot of hype this spring. Yeah, I went with Cole Farmer. Uh, as mentioned last week on the podcast that uh, Brent Pry loves this kid. Um, he can make some plays. He's got speed back there. And I think, again, the drop-off from Cole Farmer to Jarvis Miller, who who can be a player eventually, is substantial. So, um, you know, Cole is a guy that, uh, you know, you can eventually see do what Manny did last year. He, he might have to fill in some different roles, play a little bit of the will. And uh, but, but, yeah, I think, uh, again, a guy I'm buying the hype from from the spring. He can make some plays, still some holes in his game, but uh, I think that drop-off was too much to go. And then I went with Big Kirk Cothran. Uh, I, I think he's the starting three-tech right now. Yeah. Um, was phenomenal there at the end of the season. Uh, veteran presence in the middle of your defensive line and, and, and just, I think, is is going to be a productive player for them this year. So we'll get down to about like the top 30 picks here and then jump into mistakes or hits that we had later on. We're at 14 to 15 now. I mentioned Jason Gamendo with number 14, and we were – a little inside info here. We knew that whoever picked Brandon Smith, no, I you're going to get a quality player, but it's going to play very well with the crowd that we have and the readership who who praises him more than I think we have any other player that we write about or cover. Yeah, and so he's, he's a great kid. You, yeah, great kid, great kid deserves it. Um, but I, I just couldn't pass up the value of a defensive captain, a guy's experience to plug up the middle. And again, you look at the middle of my defense now. Kevin Givens at number six overall, then... Kabinda now at 14, and Marcus Allen in the back end. Very strong, all levels of the defense with playmakers. Michael Mennett then I grabbed to, again, kind of figuring you're going a little light on offensive line. You know, we both had two picks at that point, but there's not as much depth there, you know, that we can uh, speak to. Obviously, talent's there, but proven experience. Right. So he's a guy I rolled the dice with, but now I've got a tackle and man and right. Michael Mennett can play either guard position or perhaps center if I need it. Yeah, and you started forcing my hand, telling me you were going to take Tommy Stevens. Well, and that was the other part. And we've had people suggest, like, why didn't you just take Tommy Stevens after Trace and then leave, you know, Sean in the gutter? And go, well, I can't leave a guy I work with in the gutter. And we're also trying to have, you know, balanced teams here. Because we, we could have done that on a couple occasions. But then I shot myself in the foot a little bit later, because you were able to do that. Again, it was entirely my fault. But you're at 16 and 17 now with Tommy and the aforementioned B. Smith. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Tommy, I don't think the drop-off is huge from Trace. Uh, he showed that in the spring game. And he's a guy that I think can lead this team if he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you've got value. I mean, yeah. the, I think the drop off from one, two to three at the quarterback position is, is, is oh, pretty substantial. Yeah. So yeah, got to go with Tommy at this point. Uh, although I wanted to hold out as long as I possibly could, I thought this was probably it. And then Brandon Smith, uh, yeah, very popular guy, especially on Facebook, yep. but very popular guy. Um, 
that can play Mike. He can play Will. He's a smart guy. He got in there last year and made the most of his opportunity. And again, uh, character. Great kid on my roster. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Gotta, gotta love it. Uh, that did surprise me, though, because, you know, of course, I mentioned I was aware we were both waiting on Kabinda and as he fell, I just felt it was too great a value. But also, I don't need an inside linebacker at that point. And if I wanted to, could have put Manny Bowen um, at the will, as I eventually did, you know, taking Jarvis Miller later on. So to me, that was a, a spot you probably could have waited on. But again, there were more mistakes later on, which we'll get to. So we're at 18-19 now. I had Steven Gonzalez and Grant Haley. Right now, I've got four offensive line starters that could be in real-life starters at some point during the season. Now on my team, that's being selected from half the roster. You're just trying to rationalize this team of yours, aren't no, you? I've got versatility up front. I've got girth. And when we get to years starting O-line, I want to talk about that right side a little bit. But for now, from left to right, Brendan Mann, Steven Gonzalez, Michael Minnett, a hole at right guard or center. And then Chaz right on the right and side. And Gonzalez was going to be my pick if I didn't take Smith yeah. there. But I, I And Grant Haley, the number one cornerback, who now will be bouncing again between the slot and the field corner spot. You know, I've got two studs in the secondary, two studs at linebacker, a good offensive line, and the second best Yeah, Haley, Haley, an immensely valuable guy back there, which is why I went Christian Campbell with my next pick. Right. Uh, you can't, can't, can't afford to, to lose that drop off there. But Campbell, I think, uh, you know, has all the opportunity in the world this year. Uh, he can, mm. he can make an NFL roster based on his play this year. He's a tremendously athletic kid, a uh, guy that adds some length to the secondary like some other guys don't. And um, I think he's, he's got a real shot. And from there, I, I kind of threw a curveball at you. Went with Tyler Davis. Again, drop off from number one to two. We haven't seen Alex Barbier kick. We didn't see Joe Julius this spring. So Tyler Davis, as valuable as anybody on the roster last year, you know, I think he, he added a couple of wins to that win total. Mm. Um, yeah, if he can if he can be as consistent as that, I think he's worth taking him, what, 20, 21st overall? Yeah. Yeah. So I was at 22, 23. You know, that special teams pick leaves me in a spot where I just can't afford to have the special teams of old for Penn State where, you know, field goal kicking and punting are both huge question marks. I grabbed Blake Gilligan. He's such a weapon back there. I know we went back and forth in terms of his place as the best player in this team. I eventually had him 19. You wanted him. You think he's a top 15 player in this team. In terms of value, yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed him at 22. I feel really good about that, whether following your valuation or my own. Uh, and then Parker Cothran, again, solidifying the middle of that defense. I've got a really good pass rusher at the three technique with Givens. Now, you know, Cothran, the best run defender inside, um, feeling really good. But again, the next pick you grab, Torrance Brown. So you've got the two starting defensive ends in this team that is, you know, wondering who's going to fill in there. Yeah, and it's such an important role in this defense to get to the passer. Uh, you know, we saw it in USC when they could not get to Sam Darnold. Yeah. Cause problems for that secondary. So to have Sharif Miller and Torrance Brown on the edge, which I think will be a, a pretty formidable pair, you've got depth there as well. So I don't think the drop-off from 1-2 to 3-4 is going to impact you, which is, I think is probably why you waited on some of those defensive ends. But, mm-hmm. but a guy that I went with next as I'm panicking about offensive line is Will Fries, uh, redshirt freshman guy that I think can – can be stuck in there and play this year and and really you know sort of get his feet wet but at the mm-hmm. same time he'll be okay I think he's got a very bright future at Penn State uh, they need tackles I need tackles I went with Will Fries yeah so staying in the trenches I went back to back picks here you know you've got both the starting defensive ends I need to get my hands on Shane Simmons tremendously talented heard a lot of great things about spring not only from a pass rush perspective but defending against the run Probably one of the most you know exciting players looking ahead to next season that players uh, that fans have. Then Mike Miranda, I've got a five, <laughs> which is also your boy. First of all, so I know Killing it's a it's Killing a personal me. blow. I'm trying to mess with your head a little bit, and I've also got five perhaps legitimate starting linemen. Again, you could see all of Miranda, Stephen Gonzalez, Brendan Mann. Um, who else do we have here? Chaz Wright and Michael Mennett. 
see meaningful time this year. And they're all on my roster, which again, this is supposed to be split from one depth chart. At, in a state of fury, I went with two receivers next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty surprising that they slipped down the board, but we've seen these guys make plays in, in different opportunities. Uh, Juwan Johnson and Saeed Blacknell. Uh, I figured one would one of us would e- end up with each, but I just figured why not take both of them right now. Both weapons on the outside, both big guys, and I think that uh, you know both have an opportunity. While uh, nobody's going to replace Chris Godwin, but both have an opportunity to catch a lot of balls this year and, and make some things happen. And yeah, I mean, it's spring, so we're still talking about Juwan Johnson. Yes, we are. I, I feel like we will not be talking, uh, nor you know, we will not be talking about any other wideout until it's week one and someone catches a touchdown pass. Of course, if he catches the first, as I actually forecast in my Q and A last night, uh, we will be in for the fall and winter of John Johnson, not just the spring. So to round up the top thirty, we promised we'd cut you up there. Um, I went wideout, wideout again. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins and Deshaun Hamilton, who you know, I was surprised with the the Blacknall Johnson pick, just the similar body types, different games, but you know, I I figure I've got two guys here in Tompkins and Hamilton who can fill different roles, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so, and, Tom, and Tompkins and Hamilton have both played outside and inside, so yeah. it gives you a little bit of versatility there. So I, li- I like the picks there as well. Okay, so let's run down your starters. I'll go down mine, and then we'll just break out the best of the last. I don't know. We had uh, about 40, 40 or so picks left. Yeah, uh, I went Tommy Stevens, Saquon Barkley, Johnson, and 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 Blacknell on the outside. Ended up getting Brandon Polk and, and KJ Hamler, who was a guy that uh, you know. When he's healthy, can be as electric as anybody on the roster. They brought him in. They love him as a punt returner. He's a guy that can can do a lot of things out of the slot. Maybe needs some size to add. But yeah, as a late round value, I don't remember where I got him. But uh, he's a, he's a guy that can absolutely, if he were healthy, play this year. And if not, uh, has a bright future. Mm-hmm. Went with Jasicki. I uh, got John Holland because you yeah, got we'll get to that. you got greedy <laughs> at tight end. Um, you know, Fries and 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 Alex Gellerstead at left tackle. Uh, Ryan Bates, Connor McGovern, Zach Simpson, uh, Sterling Jenkins. Simpson, uh, the staff loves, no doubt. Uh, but uh, is is he a starter right now? I doubt it. So mm-hmm. uh, probably one of those eight to ten guys on the offensive line, and and then Sterling Jenkins, who I'm sure is a, is is a lightning rod for everybody. Um, you know, it was told this year that he's probably right at where Chaz Wright was at this time last year. So, you know, there, there's some hope there. I don't think you expect him to come in and play this year, but, you know, he's got an opportunity where he can continue to develop behind a few guys and, and maybe push for that starting job uh, next year after mm-hmm. some of those guys have graduated. Um, yeah, you've got Hamler. You've got guys like uh, Nick Scott who can return kicks. Mark Allen, who I added later in the draft, is my second running back. And and then, of course, Tyler Davis is, is, is a valuable asset. Um, got uh, got Colin Castagna really late, which I, I noticed you, you passed on him a few times. But he's a guy as a walk-on that can have an impact on the two-deep, could probably end up in the three-deep uh, you know, in the long term. But uh, big guy, athletic guy, played as a true freshman, which a lot of people don't know that. And the interior of my defensive line is, is, is something I like. Mm-hmm. I got Robert Windsor. I got Curtis Cothran. I've also got Tyrell Chavis and Ellison Jordan. Jordan's a guy that's been hurt, obviously, uh, hasn't done anything on the field yet, but uh, he's a guy that people uh, are, are sort of buzzing about. He's quick. He's, he's, uh, he gets off the ball very well. He's low. I mean, he's, he might be six foot, but he's low. He's active. And really he, impressed in the weight room, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, I don't know that he's the same player as Kevin Givens, but it's kind of the same thing you're looking for as a guy that can get in the backfield before they, they get off the ball. So um, 
linebackers, I think you've got the advantage there. I've got Cam Brown and Brandon Smith and, and Koa Farmer, Jan Johnson, who can long snap for me if I need, <laughs> if I punt, which I yep. probably won't considering my offense. But uh, yeah, uh, Christian Campbell, Nick Scott, Troy Apke, uh, Lamont Wade, Zach McPherson, um, kind of light at corner in terms of numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think from top to bottom, I think I have the better roster. You have the better offensive line. I, I don't think there's any question about that. You can move Bates around. You can move McGovern around. You can even move Simpson around, play a little center. Um, uh, but tackle is is probably going to be an issue with me if I don't have Ryan Bates there. Right. All right. So from the top, uh, now that everyone surely memorized all of that and took it in, that was Team Fitz. This is Team Callahan. Trace McSorley, as we mentioned, running backs went with Miles Sanders and DeAndre or Andre Robinson. Wide receivers, here's your DeAndre. DeAndre Tompkins, Irv Charles, Deshaun Hamilton. Tight end, again, Nick Bowers, Tom Pankos, got greedy, waited too long. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but again, offensive line, if I'm not going to have you know the playmaker with Saquon Barkley in my backfield, I'm at least going to have guys up front that can clear space for anyone. I think I've got that. I've got Brendan Mann, Steven Gonzalez, Mike Miranda, Michael Minnett, Chaz Wright up front. And Andrew Nelson is a very valuable backup um, that I think is going to serve me well in addition to their versatility. Kick return was interesting. Um, Miles Sanders obviously did that a year ago. I grabbed Josh McPherson late. He's been uh, widely praised, you know, as a punt returner as well. It's still an open job, but I feel like he should definitely factor in there at some point and this I, season. And I think if I can spiral off here, he's going to be a glue guy. I mean, he's yeah, he's a yeah. locker room guy. He's a guy that everybody around there loves, and he does not get the sort of the recognition he probably deserves from that aspect. Uh, I don't I don't know that he'd be a captain or anything like that, but he he can be a a, a real leader for them, and I think that's going to be important on those special teams. Mm-hmm. And since you grabbed Tyler Davis, you know I was left with with Joey Julius, who we know will be back for the summer, as told to us by special teams coach Charles Huff. So I've got him, and also as a kickoff specialist, I think that's a big silent advantage of them just forcing other teams to uh, force them to take um why am i blanking on this this is a very everyday football term and you're shaking your head like you're not going to bail me out unless you're suffering from the same uh yeah the touchback touchback thank you god (laughs) it's an insider term yes no very uh an insider term a vip subscription to learn about touchbacks uh so joey julius there defensively i mentioned i love my pass rush Shane Simmons and Shaka Tony coming from the outside. You've got Kevin Givens inside, along with Parker Cothran, backed up by Antonio Shelton and Ryan Monk. Uh, the other defensive end spot, Ryan Buckholtz. Again, a little light at defensive end, but with, you know, again, you, you get in a three or four down line in third downs. You know, Shane Simmons, Shaka Tony, Kevin Givens, Ryan Buckholtz coming at you. I mean, good luck. That, yeah. that was an area they needed to improve. And you, like and you can take Parker off the field, slide Buckholtz, and right. he's very valuable as, as a three technique pass rusher. Exactly. Um, Manny Bowen, Jason Gabinda already mentioned. I've got Jake Cooper, who can back up both the Will and Mike spots. And then Jarvis Miller. You know, he's a converted safety, still learning, but he's got the frame to add the functional weight he has to in order to play in the box. I like his speed there. And he he made some plays in the blue-white game, too. So that that learning curve might be coming along faster than we expected. At corner, you know, did not get to grab Lamont Wade as I had hoped to from the outset of the draft, but I was very happy with Grant Haley, uh, Monty Oruwarie, TJ Johnson backing up, another guy who flashed the blue-white game. Aaron Monroe and Marcus Allen, feeling terrific about my safeties. Guys who are experienced, guys who are natural safeties. Jabari Butler, I also figured at corner, you know, very much a speed guy, looking to add some of that more functional weight. And then lastly, Blake Gilligan. So um, the, the funniest or the worst picks, depending on how you're looking at this, I think from the last <laughs> the last part of the draft, we mentioned Don Holland a couple of times. You got to grab him um, at number 53 overall. But you mentioned him to me at about pick 45. 
because it was very apparent. You know, as you're building your rosters, you have some holes. Tight end was a hole for me. I knew about the drop-offs for me. I was just going to wait on why does Sean need a backup tight end. Well, you know, I picked 53 out of 76. You're going to need uh, a backup tight end, and that's where you grabbed. And from then on, I think you really won the draft. Where I, I like my team a lot, and again, talking about the offensive line, that constitutes half of an offense, and then you throw in Trace McSorley. I feel like that's a big advantage for me. But we'll get to your picks from that point on, where I just kind of lost it, and and you really built some solid depth. Yeah, I think me as a recruiting guy really really came back to benefit me, because <laughs> yeah. I remember some of these guys, and you maybe haven't been there as long. Hamler I talked about earlier, Ellis and Jordan I talked about earlier. Garrett Taylor is a guy that you probably won't see make an impact at safety this year. But he played some special teams last year. He's going to play a lot of special teams this year. Just an athletic guy that you can throw out there, uh, uh, another body that can can really help you out. Daniel Joseph, uh, still have high hopes for. He was injured a lot last season, didn't do much, but uh, he's got a great motor, great body, things like that. So so I think uh, getting him at 61 overall is very good. Uh, you took Josh McPherson. I took Zach McPherson. Uh, Zach's a little bit better of an athlete, uh, and I think he's got a bigger path to play in terms of having a bigger impact. Uh, Braylon Faison Walden, who I think a lot of people forgot about. He was injured this spring, didn't get out there. Uh, eventually a guy that makes an impact at Sam. I have him backing up Koa Farmer, which I'm perfectly, uh, mm-hmm. perfectly confident with. And then Castagna, who I talked about earlier, can, can, can play. I don't think there'd be a huge drop off. He's not going to have that burst off the edge like a Sharif Miller, but uh, right. he's a guy that can get in there and, and, and provide some quality reps for them. Mm-hmm. Now I felt very good, you know, prior to the Holland discussion about some of the picks, you know, grabbing a Ryan Buckholt slate, who's got that versatility to play inside and out. Um, Irv Charles, you know, gives me that bigger body again, proclaimed as the most talented whiteout James Franklin has ever worked with. We haven't seen it come to fruition quite yet, but just having that potential there is a different body. He gets that together upstairs. I think he'll be all right, but that's, that's, that's still a work in progress. And that kind of, you know, took me away from looking at Hamler, who who I was aware of and looking at some of these guys, Jordan, you're absolutely right. I overlooked a little bit, Daniel Joseph too, you know, given my need to develop more depth, at defensive end. Um, but I felt like Hamler for me would have just added to a similar body type that I had at wide out, which is a little bit smaller, not like a big body X that I might need. Uh, but that value of return is huge because that's what led me to grab Josh McPherson. So what was you know, your best pick? I know you, you've been very happy about this con, uh, pick as you should be, you know, experienced guy. Uh, but but out of all the ones you made after the top 30, which we ran down, what, what stuck out best to you? I think the the guy that maybe has the biggest potential to rise uh, from his draft selection, Robert Windsor, uh, one defensive, you know, one one technique DT. Yeah. Um, you know, Parker is, is experienced in front of him. Windsor played a lot of football last year. He did. Thought he did a good job. Um, you know, as he continues to even get stronger, as he's already one of the stronger guys on the roster, I uh, think he has a bright future. Uh, staff thinks he's an eventual draft pick. And, and to get him that late, I know there's a lot of talent, uh, a lot of depth in, on that interior defensive line, but I don't think the drop-off from Parker to Windsor is, is going to be all that much. So to, to get him that late, I think, was probably one of the steals for me. Right, and I think that, you know, again, I mentioned I mentally crumbled down the stretch. I'll admit it. But one of the picks I did make after missing on John Holland, uh, Andrew Nelson at number 55. And he's a guy who we had, you know, not discussed openly, but it was kind of understood injured guys who are not going to be able to contribute, obviously aren't as valuable as you're building these teams. John Reed was completely off the board. Uh, But to have a guy like him who I can put at either tackle position, you know, in the event of injury, obviously all the experience. Can play guard technician. Yeah, yeah, that too. So I was really happy with him at 55. Um, you know, but again, my biggest mistake was not grabbing John Holland and 
I'm regretting it even now as we speak a day later. But what if you had to make a mistake or something that you look back on that kind of wish I had grabbed so-and-so? Well, I don't make many mistakes. So I'm going to recount yours. Um, <laughs> the the, the drop-off at tight end all depends on Nick Bowers, um, whether or not they can get him back and healthy and ready to go. Um, when he's in there, I, I think he can be a very productive guy, but it's such a, a tough injury to come back from. So, well, it's just a question mark yeah, right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, obviously, my offensive line is probably my work, my my weak point. Um, have some guys that can be players in the future, uh, Fries and Jenkins and Gellerstedt, but in terms of throwing them out there, I'm not sure um, that they have 10 guys that you can fill out two offensive line with. And then you stole Mike Miranda from me, which I'm yes. very, very upset about. That so, was more on a personal level than anything. Yeah, I, 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 I got you draft. back with Lamont Wade, but yes. uh, yeah, I think that that's that's definitely the, the the way to go when you're talking about the weakness of my team. But Saquon Barkley, hey, he's played with bad offensive lines before. No offense, but he, he's made some things happen with with guys in front of him that uh, you know haven't been very productive. So I think uh, when you've got Barkley, you've got a shot, and that's why I would beat you if our teams played. So it all really came back to the fact that you just, you know, took rank at the outset of this and it was game over from there. Age before beauty, I yeah. believe they say. All right. Well, this was obviously a fun exercise and you should definitely check this out on the website. It'll be up there uh, for another day or two. The Penn, the fantasy Penn State football draft that Sean and I ran down yesterday. And, and it's a fun exercise, which is why it's we did fun. it. Yeah. yeah, a lot of fun. Um, but I'm curious, you know, you obviously know this roster so well and, and I'm going to do that from a recruiting perspective. Can Happy to talk about any of you guys who have been there for a few years. But was there anything you learned taking it just a different approach or a look at this team, you know, when we look back and kind of assessed the depth of certain spots? Because that was our GM job right now is to, to find value. The difference in, I would say, 25 to 45 on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, very different than a couple of years ago, which I think is huge. Right. Um, beyond the beyond the starters, whatever you got, guys that are considered starters that that aren't going to start. Uh, you know, guys like uh, the defensive end, you've got Buck Holtz and and Simmons, who's not much of a drop off. I mean, just just getting away from that for a second, I think the depth that they've been able to build is the biggest thing to get away from it. Because you know, a couple of years ago, you could do this draft and not have a too deep or not have. Uh, a starter on at some spots, you yeah. know, I mean, we, we'd be rolling off uh, an offensive line against a team of walk-ons. So I, I think that that's the biggest thing is, is looking at the overall strength of the roster when you get further down away from the Barclays, away from the McSorleys and things like that. I think that's the biggest thing to take away. They've, they've got some guys who are still developing, but can be some, can be real players. And I think it's back to normalcy, really. I mean, that's what yeah. you want to see. That's what you see at places like Ohio State and, and Michigan and things like that is, is sort of uh, cycling those guys through. And you haven't seen that at Penn State thanks to the sanctions for the last couple of years. And I think not only the numbers from a scholarship standpoint or just, you know, you mentioned the 25 to 40, that that's a lot stronger at the core of the roster, but just across different positions. You know, obviously offensive line is still catching up. But from a talent perspective, you know, there's really not a position where you look here that you say, okay, this could be a real issue. We have to cover this up, which isn't to say they're all strengths, but to say that this has one glaring weakness, you know, there's a reason this team is going to be projected top 10, perhaps top five at the beginning of this year. And it's the way it's been constructed, which again, you couldn't do this exercise with all the teams that will eventually be in the top 25. Yeah. And and it's not like you had 11 receivers that you had to go with. The balance is is very good all around. I mean, what was it? Three three quarterbacks selected, or three or four quarterbacks selected, four running backs selected, and you took uh, McPherson as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, just looking uh, position by position, you have a very even amount of guys that you can take from, and I think that's that's key moving forward. Yeah, and makes for a lot of fun. It does. It does. Good. Good start to the offseason. Well, again, please check it out. It's the Fantasy Penn State Football Draft in Lions twenty four seven. 
this has been the third episode. This has been, I think, our best one. Our this longest one. one. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who stuck around, you certainly uh, found that out. However, we will not have a podcast next week. I don't believe both of us will be on the road for the Coach's Caravan. Uh, but when we return in two weeks after the Caravan, plenty of nuggets and things to break down back here on the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Can't wait. You know I had to do it.